Chapter Three of House, Garden, and Field by Elsie Meal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. July shoots. The season of 1903 was unusually trying to the leaf expanses of my trees. Until after Easter, the weather was favorable to growth, and I have rarely seen such a profusion of blossom on the fruit trees as I saw this spring in Yorkshire, in the Severn Valley, and in Somerset. Then came a killing frost with snow showers and cutting winds from north and east. The promise of the year was blighted in a week, and the fruit crop ruined. Other trees besides fruit trees suffered. When the horse-chestnut leaves expanded, it was seen that many of them, and especially those which had first broken from the bud, were disfigured by brown patches, which lay in rows between the lateral veins of the leaflets. A long course of windy weather followed, and the rubbing of the leaves against one another fretted the brown patches into holes, sometimes reducing the leaflet to a comb-like skeleton. In 1904 we had no frosts in early summer. The flowering trees put forth magnificent blooms, but there were high winds at the time of leafing and afterwards. Horse chestnut leaves in exposed places were fretted almost as badly as in 1903. I am now inclined to attribute more to wind and less to frost than I did a year ago, June 1904. A sycamore in the same garden, and equally exposed to wind, showed no holes or brown patches on its leaves. Few trees of northern and central Europe bear wind so well as the mountain-bred sycamore. But the flower spikes of the sycamore were nipped by the frost of 1903, and very few keys were produced the following autumn. Even the leaves of the sycamore, which endure wind so well, are often attacked by mildews, funguses which fasten on them and form large black spots, and bygalls. Oak is much injured by insects, more, I think, than any other common tree. The leaves are often ruined by the tortrix caterpillar. Galls form on the leaves or in the buds, and in these galls are found the grubs of various insects. Oak apples and oak spangles are familiar examples. Many beetles, too, infest the oak. I remember a great oak tree which stood hard by the cricket field of my boyhood. The lowest bough was high above the ground, and it was long before I enjoyed the satisfaction of climbing into that tree. The day on which I first accomplished the feat was a hot summer's day, when the oak was in the glory of its fresh foliage. The first thing which struck me was the number of beetles which lurked among the leaves. I soon had a bottleful of miserable captives, and no doubt sweetened with them the dull preparation hour. Two of those beetles I still recollect well enough to give them their proper names. One would have thought that the astringent flavor of all parts of the oak would have sufficiently defended the tree, but the defense is little heeded. These and other trees whose leaves are blighted by frost or wind or mildew or insects have the means of repairing the injury. They hasten the development of some of their buds and put forth July or lamish shoots, which are often conspicuous from the contrast between their fresh green leaves and the faded leaves around. Oak, sycamore, and horse chestnut are among the many trees which regularly put forth July shoots, but ash, which comes into leaf very late, and rarely has its foliage defaced, seldom if ever produces them. End of chapter 3